Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works. Every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey there, moviegoers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. That's right. In a world, in a world where two dudes do dude things and dude each other. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't dude that to me. <laughs> Don't dude that to me. In a world where they can't seem to stop making Stephen King movies. <laughs> Stephen King is the dirt. <laughs> This summer, <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly is Stephen, Stephen King. King. <laughs> well, hey, Swampies. That was fun. Yeah. For us <laughs> and probably no one else. People are like, get to the damn movie. <laughs> get to the chopper. <laughs> nope, nope. We're not. A- nope. Wrong, wrong episode. If we, keep, if we start, we, we won't stop. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous Gerald's game. It's a... <laughs> it is. I feel like you, some might say we're in the weeds. I would say we're in the tall grass now. Yeah. But well, for sure. Anyway, I wish I was dead. Sometimes dead's better. Well, if you die, I'll carry your body. Oh wow, <laughs> Christine. <laughs> say the name, <laughs> Christine. Anyways, that that would be cool, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that would only work if your name was Joe. Koo. Joe. Joe. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Man. Anyways, man, can you turn off this light? It's shining in my eyes. All right. But when I shut it off, can you just please stand by me? Oh yeah, I will. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm really tired of it. <laughs> Oh man! This well, is welcome to another episode. Yeah, this is gonna be an interesting one to say the least, because we are doing a movie that I think we were both excited for. Um, well, we did a trailer park for it, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe intrigued. Yes, I'll I'll say intrigued. I will say this: leading up to it and having watched the trailer, I didn't think that when it came out, I would be in too much misery. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I was trying to think of one for misery. <laughs> I, I just shoehorned it in there. Yeah, but no, I think I think it's an anticipated movie. I don't know how highly anticipated, but I mean, it's the sequel to The Shining. Yeah, and The Shining is probably one of the greatest cinematic masterpieces in horror, suspense, thriller. Also, just in general, mm-hmm. it's it's a classic film that is very beloved. So, you know. 
it's really hard because that's that's dangerous waters you're walking on, and uh, I wouldn't want to walk a green mile in those shoes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> ah, you, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> We'll get into it, but I don't envy Mike Flanagan at all taking on this project. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a tough one because I feel like this has almost more of like a audience to it and more of like the cards stacked against it than we saw with Blade Runner twenty forty nine because I think Blade Runner didn't have nearly the popular culture like yeah. impact that The Shining has. I would agree with that. So I think I think yeah, there's a going up against a real dark tower. That was <sighs> we're, a, we're still going. <laughs> that, I really shoved that one in. Yeah, there. that was tough. The the connection there was thinner than most. Thinner's another book of his. Oh okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm running out of books that I can remember. I would uh I would look up more names of books, but I'm kind of in uh the dead zone. <laughs> <laughs> If you can find a way to use Shawshank Redemption, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I need a Shawshank Redemption after that last horrible joke. <laughs> a regular redemption will not do. <laughs> but yeah, uh, other than that garbage, how are you? You're back from a, a little bit of a road trip, right? Yeah. Start with this. Before I went on vacation, I got really sick. Nice. And let me tell you. It's the best way to do a vacation. My shit looked like some children of the corn. Oh, were you eating a lot of corn? I ate a lot of popcorn doing this podcast. Uh, that was a Stephen King joke. I, I didn't. That didn't happen. I felt healthy and well on my vacation. Okay, that's good. Yeah, went to Cleveland. Brianna's doing interviews for her residency, so we went to Cleveland. I was there for three days. Then we went to Long Island. I was there for two. How was the weather out there? The second day we were in Cleveland, it snowed like crazy. Really? Are you sure it wasn't just a mist? <laughs> People are gonna be like, "Come on, I'll be here all night." <laughs> Or, yeah was there any fog uh, <laughs> loves weather he does he loves it a salem's lot i am should, i should am I, interested in hearing about i was gonna trip, say though. should i even talk about this trip <laughs> only if you can explain it in stephen king titles all right then i will be happy to hear about your your wackadoodle trip. All right. Well, we went to a diner. It was a no smoking diner. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> one. He got one deep. No. It was snowing a lot on Thursday when we were there. On multiple occasions throughout the whole thing, Brianna had to go and do like interviews. So I was by myself. So I either explored the area or obviously I went to the movies. Of course. And as, as we do, I got to tell you, though, I went to some crazy theaters. Oh, you didn't go to the same theater each time? No. So when I went and saw the movie that we're talking tonight, I went to an AMC, used my A-list. Nice. When I went and saw Jojo Rabbit, mm -hmm. I went to a Silver Spot Cinema. Ooh, sounds now, fancy. Now I'm going to tell you this right now. Silver Spot Cinema, if you want to go to a dine-in theater, that's the place to go to. Ooh, that's a big statement. It is, and I'm going to tell Especially you why. Especially how much you've J-O'd to Alamo on here and how we've both talked about uh, Nighthawk. Yeah, so I'm just going to give you a quick comparison. The screen size is the size of like a Dolby theater. Awesome. So huge screen. Massive. Yeah, yeah, massive. Now, you know how at Nighthawk and uh, Alamo, they're just regular seats, they're not recliners? Yeah. The seats at a silver spot are exactly like the AMC recliners. Okay. Except you know how your chairs, you've got your cup holder on one side and the other side is an armrest? Right. On these chairs, the armrest side is also a cup holder. And oh. then the cup holder side is also a cup holder, but it's got a swinging table 
So Whoa. so it's six forward, but then if you want to, you could swing it forward in front of you. Very cool. Yeah. So I went and saw JoJo. I was by myself in the whole theater. Had two cup holders. Only used one, but I mean two. Come on. Yeah. And ordered a salmon. <laughs> no. At a movie dude, theater? Dude, I looked like such a douche because I- <laughs> By was, yourself. I was there at like noon <laughs> watching this indie movie- in eating a theater a by myself, eating a salmon. <laughs> and you were like, I am a king. Yeah. A Stephen King. I was a Stephen. I'm a Stephen King. Everyone was like, yeah, we get it. I am a king. So that was cool. Uh, I didn't go to this theater, but I was going to buy my ticket because I saw it and I was like, this is crazy. But tickets were $30 for this theater. So that's Whoa. why I was like, no, thank you. But there's a theater called an IPIC theater. Okay. And it's another dining theater. Now, they have different tiered seating. So the first two rows are the cheapest because they're the closest to the screen. But to compensate for that, they're beds. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would have done it anyways. It's an experience. 30 bucks. Well, the front row ones are 16 Oh, you... <sighs> I, I was thinking about doing it, but I How actually... How many people have fucked and come on those beds though i said to my friend today i was like because I, I was like i would have thrown hygiene out the window i was thinking about it i was just gonna right. roll around in that bed you just show up in pjs <laughs> i'm here for the morning uh, morning showing well of dr sleepy you, you mentioned pjs because the rest of the seats in the theater they're the ones that you can get dine-in service so like the two like the bed ones you can't get food brought to you oh you can't have breakfast in bed no but all the Black. other seats are regular chairs like reclining chairs and you can get food delivered to you yeah but they're thirty dollars and they come with a complimentary popcorn okay and then a pillow and a blanket oh my god <laughs> they just want you to not watch the movie i know i saw, i was like why do you need a pillow and a blanket you're gonna fall asleep because they crank the ac on you <laughs> so that's that's so weird yeah it was slumber weird. party thing yeah, and then I went to a showcase cinema over, um, we are in Long Island, and they, it's just a regular theater, but they also had the same seats as the Silver Spot with the with the swinging table. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, maybe that's a thing that we're going to get over at an AMC, because that'd be awesome. That would be great. We should do, you know what we should do? We should get this podcast to be so big and so awesome, and get so many listeners, and a good way to do that is for you guys to tell your friends, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Quick plug, 2dosmoviereviews.com, at 2dosmoviereviews on Instagram, all that. Leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Anyways, we get big, and then we eventually book us a tour where we just, we don't perform for anybody. We just go see movies in different, like, awesome theaters around the country. I like that idea. Wouldn't that be rad? I realized when I was on vacation, though, like, I like trying new theaters. Right? It's interesting. Yeah, it's like, it's fun. Anything's better than the fucking one that we have here. God damn it, do I hate it. Really? Oh, man. The ch I, I think I, we're spoiled, honestly. I like the seats. I think the screens are fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate the people that I have to sit around. That's what it is. Oh, well, okay. I don't think it changes because people during this movie were annoying me. Oh, really? Yeah. I think people, no matter where you go, are going to annoy you in a people theater. People are so dumb. Yeah. So dumb. I just wish that our theater was staffed a little bit better. I, and, oh, And yes. I'm completely guessing on that, but they stopped doing early movies and they stopped doing late movies. No, you're fully, you're fully right. It's always only the same, like, five people working there. And I've been seeing lately that, like, the person who helps people, like, buy tickets at the machines because 
nobody over the age of 40 knows how to work those ticket machines and get their own <laughs> tickets. So they'll help them and then they'll run and go help people at the concession stand. Mm-hmm. My big problem is when we go to Palisades, it's great. When I go to Garden State, it's great. And what it is, is the goddamn premier line. They do not recognize it in Middletown at mm. all. It's like I'm not even there. And I'm like, excuse me, I pay for the privilege. <laughs> but for real, I don't want to wait online if I paid to not wait online. Yeah. Also, I, like, I pay more money than a regular move. Actually, that's not true because of the A list. And I, I abuse the shit out of it. Yeah. And also, I don't really care about watching the trailer. So I, I let it slide there. That's why I've never said anything. And I also feel bad because it's usually kids there. It only, the only time it ever bothers me, and granted, it's never been a problem where I've like missed my movie or anything, but like I don't leave myself enough time really to like get there and watch all the trailers. I'm always like, the trailer's going to go on for 20 minutes. I'm going to get here within like, with like five minutes to spare. Right. If they're not honoring it then and I missed the movie because of it, I guess it's on me for waiting so damn long. But still. No, it's not. Because. If they're not honoring their own policy, that's on them. Yeah, yeah. I pay for the service. Mm-hmm. I understand if you're doing like a one, then one, then one thing. So it's like, all right, I take someone from the premiere line, but then these people have been waiting for like four people. So like, I'll take them next. And then I go back to the premiere line. Nope. It's just whoever seems the least likely to yell at them, they'll <laughs> take. I'm surprised that they... Don't assume, take you. Assuming it's me. <laughs> I think I think because I go there so often, like pretty much anybody who works there has seen me enough. I would think, because like with establishments and working in like service industry, sometimes I would think they probably see so many people, there's no way they would recognize me. Mm-hmm. And then actually Megan's pointed out to me, yeah, but how many of them are like 6'4 and like heavily tattooed and are there three times a week with a notebook with a notebook <laughs> and the same bucket yeah, every yeah. <laughs> that makes me sound like a like a real like i got my bucket up there so yeah it makes it makes you sound a little kind of like scuzzy but here's another thing i don't like about amc right now they don't tell people about this bucket i don't know if we've even talked about it on the podcast I don't know. I don't know if we did. If we did, then we're going to repeat it, I guess. But I guess because we this might be someone's first hey, time hey, listening. Th- this is this is a this is a, a pro tip. Pro tip. It's a pro tip if you go to AMC. And I didn't find out about this until like a month ago, but they sell a bucket. It's a plastic bucket, a, like you a washable bucket. Mine's got a handle. Yours has a handle. I got screwed. Wait, did you, where did you get yours at uh, Middletown? Yeah. They didn't give me one with a handle. I'm pissed about that. Yeah, mine's got a handle. You can see it right now. Yeah, fuck you. I'm stealing your handle on my way out. (laughs) No, you ain't grabbing my handle. (laughs) Oh, I'm grabbing that handle, baby. (laughs) But what they don't tell you is that it's this bucket. It's refillable when you bring it back to the movies. It only costs $1 more than a large popcorn, and it's the same size as a large popcorn. It might be bigger, slightly. The first time you buy it, it's $1. First time you buy it, it's only $1 more than a large, and then every time you bring it back, it's only $4.50 to refill it. Yeah. $4.50. Four fifty. Mm-hmm. So now you get a large popcorn for four fifty. If you've if you've bought it and you go to the movies twice, paid for itself. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is use it twice, paid for itself. Mm-hmm. I'm there three times a week. <laughs> how is it? How has nobody ever been like, hey, just so you know, we have this deal. You're here all the time. We're cool. 
you should get this plastic bucket. You'll save a ton of money. I'm fucking pissed. When I went, I actually like because you told me about it. I was like, "Do you have like a like a plastic like popcorn bucket?" That, they don't like, want to tell can... people about and, it. But the guy was like, he was like, "I don't know." And I was like, "Oh, because like my friend told me about it." And then he like went and asked someone, and then they told him, "Yeah." So yeah, some of the cashiers just might not know about it. Ridiculous! It's a secret. I, I don't like that kind of antics. And they email me so often with all of these nonsense things. Hey, you can get a five dollar popcorn and soda and then when they show you the size of the popcorn it's like a like, thimble yeah it's like one of those fucking like <laughs> if you ordered a baseball bat and you were like cool a full-size baseball bat but then it was like one of those souvenir bats that are like super <laughs> tiny it's like that it's like oh five dollar popcorn it's like uh it's literally smaller than a kid's size well, at least we actually the one thing that we do have to say about this though is it looks like they're based on year because mine says like 2019 popcorn bucket. Yeah, so you gotta get a new one at the the year. Which, yeah, albeit I have saved money, it's worth it to get it for me even as late into the year as I had. But imagine how much money we could have saved if we knew about this in January. Yeah. So all imagine, you swampies, if you hear this, January, buy go that get your bucket. buckets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting that bucket the second. January 1st. What's up, motherfuckers? You're not getting me again. Give me two. <laughs> Why do you need two? Shut up. I'm going to sell another one on the black market. <laughs> but, yeah. 2020 is going to be the year of the popcorn bucket. <laughs> yeah, the double deuce. The double deuce is an exciting year because not only is it 2020, but our show is two dudes. So it's like so many twos in there. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. The two dudes, double deuce. That's our year. We said at the beginning of this year, 2019 is the year of the dude. 2020, though, the double deuce. Mm-hmm. We're going to buttfuck that year. <laughs> it's coming up all dude. <laughs> oh, oh, everything's coming up dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of things that are coming up, I got something coming up in my pants. It's just my phone. My phone's ringing. Anyways, <laughs> there's a place that I like to go when something, when something uh, is coming. What are we talking about? <laughs> Where are we? I'm waiting for you to do your ramp up. Um. So what we're gonna do is get in the plane and go all the way to the trailer park. What are we talking? Well, if you know anything about that little get in the plane line, which I learned today that you don't. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, we are doing the upcoming Double Deuce movie, Fantasy Island. Yeah, 2020 is bringing us Fantasy Island. So yeah, it's a horror adaptation of the popular 70s TV show about a magical island resort. That's right. But this, I mean, it says adaptation, but it's clearly not magical. Like, there's not going yeah. to be anything whimsical about this. Yeah, it doesn't look very uh, Narnia-esque. <laughs> in a way. I'd say Narnia is a pretty whimsical movie. Yeah, Narnia is. Narnia. 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 Narnia business. Now, this has me a little worried. Oh, yeah. You think it's going to be good? Well, the person who's directing this actually wrote a movie I really like. Oh. Which is Kick-Ass 2. Okay. I really like Kick-Ass 2. That being said, the last movie he directed was another Blumhouse movie, Truth or Dare. Awesome. That was on your bottom 10 for last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in, it was in my bottom 10, and uh, there is a returning actress from, from Truth or Dare movie. to this movie. Also, this is coming out in February. Which that is doesn't look good. Dookie month. Blumhouse movies are off and on. They'll come out with some good movies, but I feel like 
in their trailers lately, they just ride on two movies. The trailer comes on. It says, from the dudes you brought you get out. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... It's like barely. No, you yeah, yeah, you didn't really do anything for that. Yeah, it literally like they all say they're like, "We brought you Get Out, we brought you Halloween." And it's like, <laughs> "Come on, like, uh, <laughs> did you? No, you brought us Ma and Truth or Dare." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on, well, don't get it twisted. But yeah, I mean, it's February. It's from a guy who's already worked with the studio and put out poop with people who. <laughs> With actresses who, who put, put out poop. poop. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm not too thrilled with this. It's really, what, what do you think? I think it's putting the deuce in the double deuce. <laughs> this is, you know, we were talking about, like, early stages of the pod. This is what we're looking... Like, we're getting out of Oscar territory, and we're getting back into the poop. Yeah. So now we're going to be watching stuff that we're going to be not looking forward to. Yeah, that's funny. We were doing movies recently that we didn't love, but at least our trailer parks were like... This is already getting Oscar buzz. Yeah. Now we're going to start doing like, this movie's Oscar worthy, but our trailer parks are going to be like, this looks like it's going to be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like on polar opposites. The trailer park is a poor representation of the current climate of cinema. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> you want to get into this though? Yeah, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. Let's see what's coming. Goo. There is an elevator. In the elevator, you press the button to the floor with no name. Ooh, the floor with no name. Behind those doors. Michael Ping is so off and on for me also, though. Yeah. You, always dreamt of. you saw Dora, right? Yeah, I watched Dora. Dude, I've, he's been in a lot of stuff recently. Yeah, I mean, like, there's something, like, he's really, oh my god, you just see that? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Get out in Halloween. Um, he's been in some like good stuff. Like I really, I think he's really funny in Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, and regular Ant Man and stuff. He's like like the only thing I laughed at in Jexy. Oh, he was in that. Yeah. Good evening. I'm Mr. Rurik. Let me officially welcome you to Fantasy Island. Curious how this all works. What if your fantasy involves a person from your life? Holograms. Like Tupac. What if it's somebody who died? Tupac. So, what's your fantasy? Revenge on a childhood bully. Interesting to take a, uh, you know, the show's from the 70s, so obviously there's going to need to be some sort of updating, but this this looks like uh, they're making it real 2019. Yeah. Like, it looks like it's going to be super dated as soon as it comes out, you know? You think so? I think feel like this is meant specifically for, like teenagers now which is weird because even like this is before our time yeah we're 30 now not the horror movie vibe part of it but but the fantasy island so like what's the appeal to why would you remake or why would you adapt something from the 70s for for an audience of now because I thought I thought like a thing of like adapting or rebooting these things from back in the day is you capture the nostalgia audience while also targeting younger audiences. That's the appeal to Hollywood of these things. It's like, oh, we'll get the old Terminator fans, but then we'll get new fans because we bring this new thing to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This doesn't seem like it is appealing to anybody in their 60s. (laughs) Maybe this is a thing, though, where it was like, we're going to lose the rights unless we put a movie out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We, well, we wanted to do it. We said we would. Uh, now we have to. The time is running out. 
Now, I mean, I haven't seen the show from the seventies, but it sounded like it was like a magical type thing. Like, I think there were some things that were. It was almost like Twilight Zoney. Oh, was it? Okay. Like it's. Yeah, don't fully quote me on that. I never just sat down and I'm like, oh, let me watch all of this Fantasy Island real quick. But, but it <laughs> binge did, in Fantasy Island. <laughs> yeah, but it did seem like not as dark as some of the Twilight Zone. But even some of the Twilight Zone stuff wasn't necessarily like terrifying. Some of it is just weird. Uh, Fantasy Island always seemed like really weird to me. Yeah, but I, I guess so. But it, I don't think it was straightforward just like oh and and also these things will kill you yeah you know what i mean like i think that's an element that they added because they're blumhouse mm-hmm. they're blumpkin house yeah <laughs> blumpkin house yeah there's three writers on this movie including the director but they're all basically like besides the director being tied to kick ass too all of them are most known for truth or dare wow so that's not something that i'm uh big on obviously right this trailer though is making me excited to not be in competition with you next year to see who can see more movies <laughs> like this is like you know what you can win next year it's like you know what i'm done with this yeah <laughs> it was fun for 2019 but actually uh, megan told me uh, she really hopes that i don't do this again next year what the 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 podcast in general or no, trying to beat no. me <laughs> just the competition of trying to see like every 2019 movie basically oh okay cuz uh we watched we watched some Netflix movie re- recently that sometimes she watches things and as soon as i come home she like changes it because she's like no because i know if you see what i'm watching you're going to sit down and then you're going to scoff at it and you're going to make fun of it and ruin it for me but she was watching a 2019 movie and i was like what year did this come out? I'm like, this just came out, right? She's like, yeah. I'm like, go go to the info. And it said 2019. I'm like, pause it. And I'm going to go pee and then I'm going to watch it with you. She's like, no, no, I don't want to watch this with you. I'm like, why? She's like, because it's stupid teen drama stuff. I'm like, it's from 2019. I have to see it anyways. <laughs> so then we watched it. And there were four times I had to shove my head in a pillow. So I didn't say anything to her. I was just <laughs> like, I'm just going to put my head down. What, what movie was it? Let it snow. Oh, I don't know. what. Yeah. You should watch it. <laughs> I'm actually gonna. I'll show you something when we're done here. But yeah, I mean, movies that have come out this year from Blumhouse, Ma. Yep, which we we did for this. We weren't too high on it. I think no. we had fun with it. Though. You know what's funny is we sound super positive throughout that episode, and then it's like get to the grade, and we're both like D minus, <laughs> almost failed. <Yeah. laughs> but we were like, I liked it. I think it's because we were getting deep hard. <laughs> oh yeah, that it came out in a real rough rough patch. Happy Death Day to you. That was fine. Yeah. It was silly, but it was It was, was self-aware. Yeah. It knew what it was. It was super campy and ridiculous. I actually just watched that the other day. Yeah. Glass. That's Blumhouse? Yeah. I think Blumhouse produced it. I just re-watched that the other yeah. day, too. I didn't know this. Did you watch Cam last year? Cam was like a fine like indie horror movie. It was all right. It's about James Cameron, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Okay. Uh, I mean, Halloween. Unfriended Dark Web, though. The fuck is that? That sucked. That was one of those like Skype movies. Sounds stupid. Yeah, the first purge. That wasn't good. It was also the fourth purge. So what yeah. are we doing here? The fourth um, first purge. <laughs> Upgrade was was a was Blumhouse though. Okay, huge huge that surprise. Movie's, that movie's really cool. Yeah, Truth or Dare. That was dog shit. Insidious Last Key. That wasn't very good. Do they do all the Insidious movies? Because I did like the first one. Yeah, I think they. I think they do. I mean, happy first Happy Death Day to you. Get out. So I mean. They either do stuff that's pretty good or just dog shit. Like, there's really yeah. no in between. 
this has everything going for it that I would hate. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I'm really not looking forward to it at all. Oh, there's no rush to the theaters. I feel like we are super cold on this one. This gives me the same feelings I had when I saw the trailer for Panic Room from earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Where I just watched that, and I'm, I like horror. Don't like this kind of horror. Modern horror. Hate yeah. it. Yeah. Fucking hate it. This looks like it's the typical jump scare bullshit horror. Yeah, it looks, it looks like it's going to be hella stupid. And uh, I don't want to go see it. Yeah. So do we have anything else to say about this? <laughs> no, let's get the fuck off of this island. All right. So we come to the main event. The Dr. Sleepies. The Dr. Sleepies. The Sleep, PhD. <laughs> Peace. What did you say? He texted me, Sleepy PhD. <laughs> yeah, something like that. PhD Sleepy. Dr. Snooze. Dr. Snooze. That's me every morning. Oh, Dr. Yeah? Snooze, yeah. Yeah, that's me too. But I, I have to set like five alarms to wake up in the morning. I said I said two and I snooze them about five times each. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, I was saying at the beginning of this, I feel bad for Mike Flanagan taking on this project. Not because I think he did a bad job or anything like that. It's just this had to have been such a hard balancing act because one, he's following up Kubrick. Yeah. He's following up one of the most influential and you know respected and beloved horror movies of all time. Right. Right off the bat, which I think this is wrong, but right off the bat, it's gonna get compared to that. It's going to get yeah. get compared to one of the best horror movies ever. And it's going to get compared to one of the best directors of all time. Yeah, it's on, tough. On top of that, he needs to adapt a book from Stephen King. Stephen King yeah. is a producer on this movie and a writer on this movie. And he does not like the Kubrick Shining. Shining. I know. So, like, he had to really do a good job to appease both the fans who love The Shining. The Shining and the and guy who hated The Shining but wrote the books. Yeah. So like what a tightrope to walk. Yeah. I did not envy his position yeah. at all. But I think there were some really good decisions made in this movie and we'll get into it. Mike Flanagan, he was the director and the writer on the movie and Stephen King was also a writer and producer. Mike Flanagan, I think we've talked about it unless it was just when we did the trailer park for this movie, but he did The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. He did Gerald's Game, which is also a Stephen King a movie that was on Netflix. Yep. And then Hush was kind of like his breakout movie. And then he I think he did the sequel to Ouija, which okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it was it was actually pretty pretty decent. Oh, I don't know. The cast, there's I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie, but this movie really just boils down to three people, I would say. Yeah. It's Ewan McGregor as Danny, Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat. Yeah. And then Kylie Caron as Abra. Yeah, basically just those three. And then they all have like their kind of like sidekicky kind of characters. I mean the little girl, her side quote sidekicks are her parents, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, you know, they they all have like their accessories. Mm-hmm. What do they call the group of um people? The True Knot. I think it's the True Knot. Is, Something like that is the group of almost like vampires. <laughs> like they yeah. like, they feed on the Shining, or as they call it, steam. Yeah, it was weird. Before we get into, I guess, a ton of plot points, what are your, your general thoughts on it? I mean, right out the gate, everything we said with it being the Shining sequel, the cards stacked up against them. Also, not even just that for me, the book was only written in 2013, which is also crazy to think that how many years later Stephen King is just like, how come I never cashed in on the on a Shining sequel? He must have just been out of steam of his own. It was just like, I'm just going to write uh, an appendage for one of my greatest works ever. <laughs> so he writes a book like what? fucking 30 something almost 40 years later after the fact yeah so that's kind of whack to me and that puts like a weird taste in my mouth 
And then they adapt said book only six years after the book came out. It seems like... Like a little rushed? like a Yeah. I, the book feels like a cash grab. I wouldn't say the movie does, but the fact that Stephen King made a book so long after and it was just like, oh, I'm just going to make another because it'll sell. Yeah. I wrote a sequel to The Shining. Everybody who loves The Shining is going to have to check it out because mm-hmm. they'll be like... Well, it's Stephen King. He wrote a sequel to The Shining. I want to see what he did with it, whether it's crap or not. I know people who like really don't read it that often that went out and bought the Doctor Sleep book. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be- so, because they were so intrigued by it. So I think he knew he can tap into that. That's why I'm like, I don't feel right about the fact that he wrote the book. So I wasn't super stoked that there was a, a new movie based on a very young book that feels like it was just written to cash in on the past success of a much better book. Okay. I can I can uh, understand that. From what I've heard from people, now, I haven't read the book, so I don't know all the differences, but I know some of the differences. It's funny because like people shit on Stephen King's endings in books a lot and stuff yeah. like that, and the general consensus I keep hearing from like the movie to the book is that a lot of people like the movie way more than the book. Really? Yeah, and and a lot of people also... You never hear that. It, well, it's a, almost the same for, the, you know, I think most people like the Shining movie better than the book. And oh. I think and I think most people, from what I've been hearing, have been enjoying Dr. Sleep more than the book. And again, one of the things I keep hearing is they're like, man, I really like the ending so much better in, in the movie. I mean, we'll, we can get into it, but like, I really like the story. I'll say that. Yeah. When I was sitting there in the theater... Because it's a long movie. It's like two and a half hours long. But maybe like a half hour into it, I was sitting there and I was like, this does not feel like The Shining. This isn't like doing it for me. And then I kind of put The Shining aside and just like watch the rest of it. And I'm glad I did. Because one thing that is kind of annoying about sequels is when they are like, okay, something was really successful. Let's just like... like, Do it um, again. Let's do it. Yeah, do it again. Or like, let's just do the greatest hits from the movie. Like do all like the things people loved. And this movie's really different from The Shining. Yeah, I actually like that a lot. Yeah. It's really different in a lot of ways, but besides all those differences, it does actually close up a lot of loose ends and shore up some of that ambiguity to The Shining. And I really like what they did with the characters that are left. I felt like uh, the story arc for Danny was like pretty touching, and I like what they, you know, how it came about at the end. There's a few things I didn't like about, you know, some decisions. I really liked what they did with him. I really liked what they did with Jack. Spoiler, he's. He gets a moment in this. And no, I, I, again, we've been saying this a lot. I didn't think that this was something I needed, but now that I haven't, I'm like, I actually, I, I like that. Like, I think this was a really good follow-up to it. No, I, I agree. And that was something that going into it, I was just like, I really hope they don't try to either recreate or ride the coattails of Kubrick because you can't. How can you? Yeah, yeah. you can't. <laughs> and I think that's probably something that he knew going into it. It's like, this is going to be compared. So if it's going to be compared, I have to make sure that it's different because Mm -hmm. then people can't say like, Oh, well here he tried to do this, this kind of thing that Kubrick would do. And it didn't work. If he does it completely different, no one can say he's attempting to recreate a style of a master. Yeah. He's doing his own thing. And I think that is very important to, kind of separate himself and this movie from The Shining in the sense of style. 
also maintaining a thread to the old movie. I like that. At first, I was like, did they CGI the boy? Because de-aging has been like a very popular thing. And then I realized, like, oh, no, they just got totally new actors for like the, um, I wouldn't even know if it's flashbacks. It wasn't flashbacks. The movie starts off, and it's like after the events of The Shining, when it's just Danny and his mom like living in yeah. Florida or whatever. And they just got new actors to play them. And I think that's a smart move. You want you want to hear something fucked up? What I I didn't like that. Oh yeah, and it wasn't even so much I didn't like it. It was just be, now the way movies are going, I'm so used to them like de aging is a thing. Like that's that's just Hollywood now. Yeah. So when I saw it and it wasn't de aged and it was someone different, it actually pulled me out of the movie for a few like few minutes, and I was like, Yeah, why didn't they do it? Like everyone's doing it. They could do it. I know they could do it. I respect them for not doing it. Yeah, I did think it was really weird that scene when they're they're in Florida and then like kind of Danny wanders off and he's talking uh, to the guy on the bench and he's telling him about like, Oh, put him in your box or whatever. And then out from the water, a Terminator came out and shot him in the chest. (laughs) (laughs) That was weird. (laughs) I think, you know, this has a a pretty modest budget on it that might go into that. But, um, it's funny because like we also talk about, we're like, man, the DH on this movie really didn't look good and it pulled me out of it. So like me saying that, not using the de-aging pulled me out of it is almost it's contradictory to that yeah but i've become accustomed to just that being the norm now right where when it wasn't used in a time where i was like it would make sense to i was like what the hell and then i was kind of like who who is that like do they even yeah. look that much like that person <laughs> i think speaking especially on the mom I think she looked close enough yeah she did but her mannerisms were perfect yeah and mm-hmm. like the way she spoke like she nailed it. She crushed it. Like she just became that character. Yeah. And even sounding like her. I think I think she did a really good job. Yeah. So I was I was into that. I was fine seeing that. And honestly, like, how much do you really recognize Danny from The Shining? I mean, you put any little boy with a bad haircut in that <laughs> bad haircut. Yeah. And then it was funny though because that's one of the first shots of the movie. Is yeah. is Danny going through the hallways of the Overlook? And I was like, "Is this like a? Is this footage from The Shining? Like, is it restored footage? What?" And then they showed us uh, like a three quarter shot from behind. And I could just see like a little bit of the side of his face, and right away I was like, "That ain't him. That's a new actor." <laughs> like I knew yeah. right away. I'm glad that they recreated instead of just recycling footage, though. Mm-hmm. That's the thing we were, we were talking about, like you know, like fanservice stuff. He didn't try and copy any of Kubrick's you know style and stuff like that. And I feel like all the stuff that is similar is all like paying like homage to the shining. Like yeah. there's a few scenes where they're kind of recreating them, but in a different, like something's coming full circle and they're redoing it in a different way now. Yeah. Or there are scenes that are staged to look like, uh, like when Ewan McGregor's getting his job, the office is exactly like the office that Jack Nicholson is sitting in when he gets the job. I noticed that too. Yeah. yeah. So like, there's a few things like that where they're just peppering in like a little bit of throwback, but this isn't something where it's like, we're going to be in the hotel the entire time and all the ghosts are going to come out the entire you know movie and it's yeah. gonna be the same shit over and over again. It's- well, well, you want to hear something that I kind of thought of linking back to like the office thing? Cause there are similar things. I think yes, kind of in there for the fans to notice and pick up on. But I also think there's a second reason, and it it could be more of like a storytelling and a style choice to do that, 
is showing the similarities between Danny now and his dad. dad, Yeah. And showing how even with his dad out of his life and just the events of what happened and like the propulsion of the rest of Danny's life, like he ends up kind of becoming his his father. Yeah. So, I mean, which becomes super literal and on the nose towards the end, but yeah, well, that towards the end for sure. I think a little bit towards the beginning though too because it's really in the beginning of the movie the first 30 minutes is when he's very similar to his dad. Yeah. And then he kind of has his arc when he kind of he gets sober and stuff like that. Right. But you know I, I agree with you on that. The way like the book and like the movie play out in the book the hotel's not there anymore. The hotel is rubble because they burn the hotel down at the end of The Shining in the book. Oh really? Yeah. So they go back to the hotel in Dr. Sleep the book but it's just like rubble. Oh, weird. And this, because it wasn't destroyed in the movie, they... They, they burn it they, down. Yeah, they burn it down at the end of this Spoiler, one when they come guess, back. But... I know, I like the way they used the hotel because it wasn't in it for the whole movie. It was just in it for the finale. Another thing I really like that's a difference, Dick, he gets killed in The Shining with the axe. Yeah. In the book, he lives. Oh. He doesn't, he doesn't die in The Shining, but he died in the movie. So in this one... They still have him in this functioning the way that he would in Doctor Sleep, but they make him present in a way that fits the story and also fits in the ending. Like, yeah, his the, his use in the movie comes full circle at the end when some things happen with you and you and McGregor, which I really like. That I thought that was really smart. We were talking the same stuff when we did our it episode. I'm like, they made some smart decisions for the movie. Yeah, because so. there's just changes you have to make, and especially because The Shining didn't really copy the book. Mm-hmm. So to make Doctor Sleep as an exact kind of copy of the book, well, I mean, one, we always see these movie adaptations have to make changes, some more drastic than others. Yeah. And sometimes you have to omit things and sometimes you have to add things in to kind of better explain something because you don't have quite as much time to explain what the fuck's going on. Because especially Stephen King writes thick, thick books. Oh, they're like, chodes. Yeah, he's he's no Chuck Palahniuk who his books are like 120 pages. <laughs> you could breeze through that on a fucking bus ride. On a toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One good dump and you've, you're finished Fight Club. <laughs> But Stephen King, it's like, uh, I need to take like a month off of work just to finish it. So, One other change. This actually wasn't a change. This is like more so an Easter egg. But when Kubrick made The Shining, yeah, the original room, you know, it's room 237 in yeah. The Shining. In the book, it's not room 237. It's like room like 217 or something like that. Okay. They changed it because the hotel was an actual hotel. And they figured if they used an actual room in the hotel, people wouldn't want to stay in that room. Yeah. So they, they, they used a made up room. When Ewan McGregor is in the hospice, the room that he goes into to like consult like the first patient you see is the actual room from the book. Like oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. I guess I just brought up Ewan McGregor. I wanted to get into the acting on this movie. Okay, because yeah. I thought this was the best Ewan McGregor's been in a really long time, ever since Clone Wars. Ever since Clone Wars, <laughs> did you think? Do you think he was good? Because I thought he was great in this. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was excellent. I, yeah. I couldn't find anything with his acting that I just wasn't buying. You know what I mean? Like, I think he took it very seriously. What kind of adult would you be after witnessing what you witnessed as a mm-hmm. child? I think he does a really good job, not only showing us who Danny is. But who Jack was. Yeah. I really like, I was trying to think about it. I'm like, I wonder who you could have cast 
besides him because he did a great job and like you mcgregor in general is not like a loud actor you know what i mean like he's not someone that is like over yeah. the top and stuff and for this character he had to be really you know toned back and almost re- like closed off right and he gives a really strong but like quiet performance and yeah, that's nice yeah, and I liked it. And there's some moments when he's in this hospice and the way he chooses to use the shining and stuff that I thought were like really like sweet moments and stuff like that. Yeah, I liked that. I mean, I like cats, so <laughs> I I like that. And uh it was cool seeing him like apply his talents practically. Mhm. Cuz the yeah, like a lot of people are uncomfortable with death, but he is literally surrounded by it. Like he's basically Haley Joel Osment in the sixth sense. Cause he could literally, he sees ghosts. Like yeah. he can talk to ghosts and he can get his, with his powers. Like he, and it like now in his mind, he's got like whatever, all the ghosts all of the, the outlook ghosts, hotel, yeah. like basically like uh, locked up, locked in, up in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did dig on that a lot. And especially because like he was drinking to basically bury the shining. Yeah. He didn't want it. Mm-hmm. So for him to, you know, start using it again after he's spent time being sober and like being more comfortable, I thought that was like a cool way to be like getting back into it, but like almost using it for his own therapy because it's something that like basically ruined his life. Mm-hmm. His whole character arc, I really like because in the beginning of when you see him, he's a scumbag, like super scumbag. Oh, dude, I can't <laughs> I can't do movies with these dead kids, man. <laughs> can't fucking do it oh yeah i, I forgot like i forgot that. about that yeah i didn't like that he's super scumbag in the beginning of the movie and then he goes through rehab and then you start to like actually like him he, he he's helping people who are about to die and stuff like that and i i just really liked his whole character arc and i liked seeing danny from as a kid till basically the end of the movie he gets he gets a really good i think like therapeutic wrap-up almost another actor that i want to talk about i really really liked rebecca ferguson Yes, me too. And not just like, I thought she was great in this movie, but she has so much range because you can't pin her down. Yeah. Because I was watching her and I was like, man, she's really good. What have I seen her in recently? And then I, okay, like she's doing her own stunts and stuff like in Mission Impossible and she's killing it. And then oh, I, was, I didn't know that. Yeah. She, she's been in the last two Mission Impossible movies, I think. But she was in The Kid Who Would Be King this year, which like, say what you want about the movie. But it's like a family movie. Yeah. She was in The Greatest Showman uh, two years ago. So she's in a musical. She was in Life, which is, you know, like a sci-fi horror film. She was in Men in Black International this year, which is more of like an action film. Was she? Who was she? She was one of like the, I think the American. Oh, no. She was. Wasn't she the villain? Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. She, with the extra arm behind her back. And yeah. Everything. Holy shit. I didn't even recognize her. Yeah. And then just side note, she's going to be in Dune. That Denis Villeneuve's doing that's coming oh, out in 2020. Cool. It's definitely like one of my most anticipated movies already for 2020. But Same-sies. I was thinking about, it, I'm like, she's not in a box for sure. She's doing like different genres almost every other movie, and she's really yeah. good in it. I don't know if it's because you basically watch her inhale a bunch of smoke or I guess steam in this movie, but <laughs> she's a fucking smoke show. <laughs> she, she's good looking. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not what I said, Colin. She's a smoke show. Yeah, I said she's, she's a steamy. fucking smoke show. She's steamy. Dude, I was getting steamy yeah. in the theater. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> you were wearing a tie. <laughs> I wish I was in one of those theaters with a fucking bed in it. <laughs> Ruin these sheets real quick. <laughs> don't, don't reuse that pillow. And <laughs> and uh, Kylie Curran, 
probably gives one of the best child performances of the year, I think. Hell yeah. Yeah. We've seen some decent ones, some pretty good ones. Yeah. Actually, like some of the better ones are from another Stephen King movie this year, It Chapter 2. Mm-hmm. But then other than that, like... Mm. I think the only other one that might stack up to it is in a movie we're going to talk about on a future episode. Oh, yeah. Fair yeah. point. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I thought she was really good. And, uh, I mean, she's only been in one movie before this, so super impressive. What was she in? She was in a movie. I hadn't seen it. It was a movie called uh, I Can, I Will, I Did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I don't know how she was in that, but she was really good in this, and I'm sure this is definitely going to get her more work, so. Yeah. But, yeah, all the acting in the movie I thought was really strong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't remember anybody really taking me out of the movie in terms of, like, their acting. You know what? Actually... And I wouldn't say it's because of the acting, but what you were talking about with recasting Danny and the mom when it was back in the day, not having Jack Nicholson in this mm-hmm. messed me up. Like I, I couldn't, I didn't like looking at that guy. Well, that's what I was saying. It pulled me out of it because, like, I was like, but that's the only one who pulled me out of it. That wouldn't, his wouldn't that have been so then. cool though if he was there? Oh, that would have been awesome. Or at least if you like, you de-aged him, like. Granted, I thought the moment itself was really cool, but I thought if Jack Nicholson was in it, it would have been awesome. Oh, it would have been next level. Yeah. It would have been next level cool. Because it's one thing to make this movie and then you're returning back to the outlook and you know, you want to do things different and you don't want to recreate what Kubrick created. But you cannot recreate a character that Jack Nicholson brought to life and then have somebody else try to do it the way Jack Nicholson did it. Because like we've talked about it on our Joker episode, even when uh, Dark Knight was coming out, people were like, oh, but Jack Nicholson like made the Joker what he is. And you, you, you can, no one can ever do it better, but they always did something different with the Joker. And that's what made those, those movies great. This, you are literally playing the exact same character, but you're playing it like Jack Nicholson. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're playing... Other Jokers weren't a recreation of Jack Nicholson's Joker. They were a different interpretation of the same character. Mm-hmm. This is the same interpretation of the same character played by a different actor. Yeah. I feel like you really needed Jack Nicholson in here. Yeah. Him more so than the other two. Because, like... Yeah. I mean, you watch him in The Shining. He's iconic performance you go up the steps and stuff like that like crazy darling light of my life (laughs) i'm not gonna hurt you you didn't let me finish my sentence what i said was i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna bash your brains in i'm gonna bash them right the fuck in (laughs) so good so yeah it's funny you mentioned blade runner i think if they had put jack nicholson in this movie you would have had like the same reaction that like people did yeah. in my theater when Rachel showed up at the end of Blade Runner twenty forty nine or Harrison Ford. Yeah, you're like, holy shit! Like they're in this movie. Granted, it would have been it would have been such like a fucking cum shot. Yeah, to do that. Yeah, you know, if Jack Nicholson showed up at the end of that part, I would have been like, I would have lost my mind. And you don't need him for that long. No, he was that moment was only like two minutes long. It was it was super big. Yeah, it was really powerful, awesome moment in that movie. Yeah. And, and just that idea of basically him swapping roles with the bartender, because what we see in The Shining, like, you know, he's basically in Danny's place, but then that he would become the bartender afterwards. Like, he almost, like, usurped the throne mm-hmm. and, like, transitioned. And it makes me wonder who was the bartender to Jack in the first one? Yeah, you know yeah, what I, I don't mean? know. Because yeah. I wonder if that was also like a, a symbol of somebody who was important in his life. If that bartender role, The Shining, always puts in that place somebody mm-hmm. who was from your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
you know what this movie does for me that I'm it might not be a it's not a big negative, but it is something that kind of left me feeling like, huh? Like, uh, like I, I wanted more, which I guess is a good thing. Like you should be left wanting more. Mm-hmm. I think it opens up a lot of questions that I was really hoping by the end of this, you know, two and a half hour movie, I would get more answers. There's just still things I don't know. And maybe I just have to read the books, but I don't trust that they'd be answered. Like, I want to know more about what the shining is or what this theme is. Like, I just want to, I don't, I don't really get it. Well, it's funny because you want more answers. I wish they gave you less of it. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, because this is something I was going to touch on. At times, uh, this movie feels almost like a superhero movie. It was funny. Yes, it was I funny. wrote down I'm getting X-Men vibes. Yeah, because, and you know, what was funny. One of mine, the girl, they're basically like, Oh my god! Like I've never seen power like this. I'm like, okay, so this Jean is the min- I was like, this is the Minichlorian scene from from the Phantom Menace. Like, <laughs> like yeah, and then Obi Wan has to take her on as exactly. an apprentice. <laughs> I was like, what what's going on here? I like when the Shining is more of like a mystery, and I like when it's more scaled back, and it's just kind of like this power that you can have that like because it gets kind of I mean if it wasn't far fetched from the Shining, it gets really far fetched in this. We're like yeah, there are um some really like over-the-top cinematic moments where they're, like, swapping bodies and shit like that. Like, I didn't understand how Ewan McGregor could, like, teleport into the seat and grab the wheel and stuff like that. Remember that one part? Yeah. I don't know if that's even necessarily what it was. I think it was more so he was using his shining to, like, project himself into her body and then using her shining to, like, telekinetically move the wheel. Is that what it... I mean, but still, isn't that, like, such a abandonment of what the shining is in the, in the first movie? Like... Yeah, and especially in terms of what, like, Danny can do with the shining. Yeah, and, like, she can basically block people in, like, weird, like, labyrinth, like, maze things and, like... That was and then, really cool. Visually, it was an I awesome sequence. I loved that yeah. scene. Visually, it was an awesome sequence. Like she traps her in her, like... Her aunt dressing like the cabinets or whatever and like her hands ripping and she's like flipping through like the other ladies fucking library yeah shit that was wild you want to know a uh a little cool easter egg about that scene yeah all right i'll tell you a cool easter egg about that scene that is a little throwback to gerald's game which mike flanagan worked on i don't yeah so like the skin on her hand gets literally ripped off her arm that happens in Gerald's game because she's handcuffed to the bed and she has to rip right. her hand out of the handcuffs and it rips all the skin off her hand. Yikes. So it was a throwback to Stephen King and Mike Flanagan. It was oh. a little, little Easter egg on that too. Pretty cool. Visually, that scene was awesome. It was just, there was, and it's one of my negatives on the movie. Sometimes it feels very cinematic in terms of like, I'm getting a, like a superhero action vibe from this movie yeah, and not 100%. like and not like a thriller horror vibe. And also just some parts just seemed very like, convenient where you're like i need to just accept that this is how this thing works or that this is this can happen because if not then it falls apart on itself like yeah there was just a few things like big spoilers but when like all the uh overlook hotel ghosts get unleashed on rose the hat yeah they're like rabid animals and they just go at her i'm like why wasn't that happening in the first shining and like it works it works right away he's just like i'm gonna do this and he just unlocks them from these proverbial boxes in his head but then they're all just like all out in the yeah in like the real world again. yeah like there's there's certain things where I'm just like well that was easy I want to press that staples button <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I also felt like I think the reason why I had so many questions that I wanted answers on is that they 
explained more in this than they ever did in The Shining. They, so, yeah, like, they definitely do. The mystery in The Shining is cool, and it doesn't leave me asking any questions. In this, like by them trying to answer some questions, but not all, they'd be like, oh, well, drink your steam and then we could live forever. Okay, but why? Well, why? Like how? Like how did you find out? Like what is this cult? Like where did it come? Like now that I know like what you're doing, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, like I don't get it. Like I just, I I think by even answering one question, you've opened the door to like, all right, well you answered that one. Now I have a dozen more, Mm -hmm. and it's not the good kind of mystery. For yeah. me, for me personally. No, I, was... I would I would agree with that wasn't something that I really even thought about, but there were other things that I'm like, okay, you answered this, but then that makes me wondering about this. And there were certain things that they answered that I liked. Like I liked getting the realization that the ghosts in the overlook fed on Danny Shining. Because yeah. I, I never, I mean, maybe they answered that in The Shining. I never really got that impression. I always felt like The Shining is more of a family falling apart movie. And there's just a supernatural aspect to it. So, like, I kind of like that it was like, okay, these ghosts that are trapped in this hotel or whatever actually feed on him. And that's why things happen when he showed up to the hotel. And because I've heard some people say, like, why didn't these things happen to other people when they show up to the hotel? So I think that gives you, like, a little bit of, like, a peek behind the curtain in The Shining. And I like that. But then that opens more questions. How so? so? Okay, so, like, oh, Danny shows up. And it kind of like wakes up the hotel because like they feed on his shining. Mm-hmm. There's already somebody in the hotel working there who also had the shining. What if he had put them away in his boxes though? Then how would they be there for Danny? Because if that's the case, then that means you're only putting those ghosts away for you personally, but then those ghosts would appear for somebody else. And if that's the case, then he wouldn't have had to unlock those ghosts to attack Rose the Hat because they would be there for her. You know what I mean? Like if they all had their individual ghosts separate from I think the unlocking the boxes at the end of it is like something that was just kind of like forced. Yeah. Because he tells Abra, stay in the car. I don't want you in the hotel until like... We have to be in the hotel, basically. But, like, if all the ghosts were locked away, it shouldn't be a threat for her to be in Right, what's the problem? And I think she comes back in, and doesn't she see the twins in the hallway first? Like, I think she sees a few things before. No, I think he opens... I think that's after, because she only sees that stuff when she runs away from him, and at that point, like, because they had had their showdown and everything, which I love the showdown in the maze. That is very cinematic. Mm-hmm. But I actually really did like what they did there with, uh, I mean, I, I knew it, I knew what they were doing, but I, it's supposed to be like, oh, we're, I see you've made changes to your mind because, and then she thought she was in Abra's mind. Rose the Hat thought she was in Abra's mind. But then it's like, oh, this isn't your mind at all, is it? Yeah. And then realized they were actually in Danny's. And uh, you see that coming, but it was still really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also just interesting that Danny's mind is stuck in that maze. That's just like a cool idea that like, he has never been able to like move past that. Yeah. And it's, you know, maybe something that he used as a mechanism to like help cope with these ghosts by locking them up in that box actually harms him too because he's never really left that maze. Like it's all, it's always in his mind. Mm -hmm. So he can never leave it behind because it's really what's protecting him is locking them in these boxes in that maze. But, uh, Abra runs away after that showdown in the maze and then him and Rose fight. And then while they're fighting, she runs off, but then he opens up his 
his mind boxes. <laughs> and then that's when Abraf sees the twin girls and stuff like that. Okay. I, but, I, but thought, then, I thought that it was like as soon as she came in, she started seeing stuff. But maybe I'm thinking of when Rose the Hat came in. But then does that mean that... Because she didn't she see the blood coming out of the elevator when she came in before the boxes were even un- unlocked? Yeah, and she was just kind of like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, like... That's the second second time in uh, the last two years that that scene's been recreated. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of in- inconsistencies there. Personally, I felt like they answered stuff about like why you were haunted in the hotel you know, because yeah. it was because you had the shining. And for me, like, I just didn't like getting more explanation as to what the shining could be or could do. Like it, again, it, I felt X many like, and I, yeah. I wasn't really about that. And yeah, I didn't even think about like why the, the steam makes you live forever. But I guess that's another one that I'm kind of like, what? Yeah. And yeah, I don't get it. It's like, um, there was another movie this year that is, Oh, pfft, it Pennywise feeds on your fears. And yeah. like, and then in this, it's like, oh, the fear makes the steam taste better. Yeah. What is what is this like? And again, these this cult wasn't part of The Shining, right? The book, I mean, even I mean, de- well, obviously wasn't a part of the the movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were in the first book or not. Um, I doubt it. Yeah. But it just seems like Stephen King recycled. He's like, I'm gonna take elements of other books, mix it with this thing, call it a Shining sequel, and make a bunch of cash off of it. Well, I will say this in because you know all of his books tie together with the Dark Tower and stuff. Yeah. The Shining's referenced in a lot of other books. Yeah. And it's not oh, it's not always called The Shining. Like. Right, it's that's a, what Danny a, calls it. Yeah, on a, on a lot of occasions, it's someone who has a power that is the shining. They just don't know what it is or don't know what to do with it. I wonder if that's connected to Firestarter. Because that's another question I have now, because it's something else that, again, they went and put a label on something that I didn't need a label on. Like, I would be fine if it's just like, Danny calls it the shining, other people call it whatever they want, but it, it literally just means like there's some sort of... You have a... You extra- have a- power or something but then they're just like oh there's a seer and this one is a a pusher and this and like they had different names for different types of shining yeah like like um is it snake by andy that's the girl's name she's able to like control your mind basically like tell you what to do so this idea that there's like, or this cult has come up with these because it's, I mean, technically not. I just wish official, there wasn't but... a d- bunch of powers like that. That bothered that's, me. That's what I mean, though. And they not only are there different powers, they have names for them mm-hmm. by like saying, us oh, this one's a seer. I found a seer. I found this one. Oh, you're a pusher like me or whatever. And like, and then it makes me wonder. I'm like, okay, then what's Danny? Mm-hmm. Like, what is his thing? What, how do you label him? how many different types of quote unquote shining are there and what, what's the difference? Like, why is there a difference? What is this thing? Watching the first shine, the original movie, the shining, I never once was like, what is the shine? I never needed the answer. I liked it better when it was one thing, like like one thing that like you just had and it was, it was pretty straightforward. You could do a few things with it. And it was like, you had this power that things were attracted to. Like, Pretty simple. Yeah. This this got a little again, I said it already. It got theatrical for me. Got like all too too cinematic, too Hollywoody. <laughs> Hollywood. You know what I mean though? Like this No, for sure. At times it felt like they were going the sequel route where they're like bigger and better, you know? Yeah. Longer, for sure. Yeah. The shining's kinda long. Doesn't feel as long. No. This this didn't drag for me much. The only thing that like 
I was literally bothered by, which made it feel, I guess, like a little bit longer, or maybe not the movie, but it just felt like a lot of time was passing the movie. This movie has an absurd amount of fades, crossfades. I told oh, you to look yeah. out for it. Yeah. But like, how do you miss it? Yeah. Like, you know, fades and, and like fades to black, a movie that usually are meant to express the passage of time. And it's like every time a scene transitions from one location to the other, it's a fade. And yeah. it was absurd. It was really like crazy. I was not a huge fan of that. Also, like Mike Flanagan's the editor on this movie too. Just a little, oh, really? little fun fact. Yeah. It's like, what's this button do? Fade. Whoa, that looks cool. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Because it's really weird, especially like the scene when Abra gets to the town that Danny's in when she tracks him down. Mm-hmm. And she's just like walking down the streets. It's literally like every bus pulls up, crossfade. Now she's in a park, crossfade, cross on the road crossfade now you have like a straight on shot of her walking down the road crossfade she's in front of a house by a mailbox crossfade (laughs) just over and over like you'll see 12 of them in a matter of two minutes just one after the other it's crazy this i want to bring up though because i feel like this is if you go and look at some reviews this seems to be something that people keep bringing up the the, i guess the fright factor in this movie uh what'd you think of it one of my later notes like toward either towards the end of the movie or as the credits started rolling Mm -hmm. not even comparing it to the shining this for me this movie doesn't have staying power no not at all no i really don't think so nothing really stands out to me as like like whoa like that scene or that imagery like there was one scene that, that was messing me up a little bit that I thought was very effective. What's that? The part with the beanbag boy. Beanbag boy. Baseball baseball boy. Yeah. Where he gets changed. Like, they basically just torture him. Yeah. That was you, that you, was very demented. You, you recognized him, right? Yeah. That's yeah. why I said beanbag boy. Oh, okay. From, from Good you. Boys. Yeah. yeah. I, that was a really demented scene that I thought was very tense. I like the tension in that moment. I mean, The Shining's not really that scary of a movie. For me, like, again, I said, like, for me, The Shining is a movie about a family falling apart. And, like, all the scary moments in that movie are the things that could actually happen. Like, the fa- like, the father attempting to murder his wife and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, there's disturbing imagery in it, like the rotting woman in the shower and stuff like right. that. That's but probably, like, one of the most, like, messed up looking things in, in the movie. But, like, really, I think the parts that people are afraid of are Jack twins. Nicholson breaking down and, like, the twins and stuff like that. So, for me, like, the moments that were the most scary were, like... The people abducting the kid and killing him. Yeah. Or the dad going or not, you know, the dad getting killed and the daughter getting abducted. Like stuff like that got under my skin way more than any supernatural stuff. Yeah. Again, this isn't your typical horror movie, which I respected for. Because this isn't a movie that relies on jump scares. No, not at all. It's I definitely a movie that relies more on its atmosphere. I don't and, remember getting any jump scares, really. I don't think I don't think there is. Maybe there's one. Maybe. I can't remember it. I really like it's not a movie that relies on it, which which I was happy about. Yeah. And another thing that I was happy about, and people are going to complain about the length, but nothing of real substance happens for about 40 minutes. But I actually like that. And the only reason I say I like that is just because um, it's funny. I was actually watching the Alien documentary and they were talking about Alien and how nothing in Alien happens for 40 minutes. Yeah. They let you sit with these characters during like all these like small moments that develop them. And then they kind of like lull you into like a position where you're just like, okay, nothing's going to happen. And then they start hitting you with stuff. Yeah. They trick you. Yeah, fast yeah, one on yeah they trick you. But I like that they actually took the time to like develop the characters, develop a path for their characters, and then start peppering in the fright. And I don't think this movie is really that scary, but the parts that are scary are not the jump scares, and they're not, you know, the 
the ghosts and stuff like that. It's more right. of like the real moments for me. I dig on that. You know what else always gets me? Not for scaring me, but just like gets me pumped. Fucking score. Oh yeah. We, we've talked about it recently in uh in a, like Terminator and Halloween. Just like when you hear that Shining score, mm-hmm. even when it comes up in this movie, I'm like, it gets me every time. It's so cool. Like when they're driving up to the Outlook, I'm like. Oh, this is so awesome. Yeah. And like the shot over the lake too. These little, little helicopter shot from yeah. that. Yeah. Which they do in this one. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. Yeah. So like as much as that is like fan servicey and we are kind of like earlier being like, oh man, I really hope they don't just like copy stuff from The Shining. When I did see that, I was just like, oh man, it's still, it's still too cool. To, like I can't hate this. I'm like, this is pretty awesome. It's, that didn't feel like, like egregious though. Like that no, was, not that at was, all, yeah. that was almost just like setting a tone type thing. Yeah, it's and like here we are, we're coming back. Back, yeah, yeah. So I understand why they did that. I, I, I dug on that a lot. All right, you want to get into tomato tomatoes on this? Yeah, baby. It, just in in general, though, like I think this was a movie that was going to be really hard to like pull off, and I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. There's there's things that I don't like, but overall, it does way more that I do like. The performances are really good. I like some of the answers they give you to The Shining. Like, I think going back and watching The Shining now might be kind of cool. And we didn't even really mention it, but the way that the movie ends and, like, what Danny's character does, because I don't want to spoil it. But, right. like, I thought that was really, like, great wrap-up for him. Yeah. And, yeah, I just liked it. So, Tomato Tomato. The critics are bringing this in at a 76%. Okay, C. Yeah, C. Tomato. I was just saying yes. Ah, C. C, Sangha. C. Tomato, the audience, bringing in at 90%. Whoa, A minus. Yeah, so that's a A minus. Well, critics have it at a C, and then the audience has an A minus. Ooh. What you what you going? Critics are a C, audience is an A minus. I'm going tomato, but my grade is higher. You're going tomato? Okay. Tomato's the yeah, C, C, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going with tomato, mm-hmm. but I am giving it a B minus. Okay. Uh, I'm going tomato and I'm going B plus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like this a good amount. I mean, I liked it too. Mm-hmm. I just, all the questions that it made me ask and left unanswered after answering questions that I didn't have in the first place kind of like put a bad taste in my mouth. Also, like I couldn't get out of my head just the um, almost like cheapness of the fact that Stephen King even wrote A Doctor Sleep and made a sequel to one of his greatest works. Like just doesn't feel right to me. And I, I, I did take that out from like what I was watching, but then like even what I was watching, like didn't have quite the same staying power. I really liked a lot of like what I was seeing, but it just didn't, I, I didn't like come together for me. And I, yeah, I don't even know how to explain because I, I like almost want to say like the way that I wanted, but I don't know what I really wanted either. You know, like. Well, going into these things, like we we know better by now to not really be expecting anything and just take it for what it is. But I think that's why I was like so frustrated by the questions I had at the end of it is because I did take it for what it is. And then it created more questions that I didn't necessarily have going into it. Yeah. So it just, yeah, some things were like a little bit like either confusing or just left me like scratching my head. Like, why would you do this? But then also do that but never explain this other thing. And it just like, I feel like under close examination, this movie 
actually creates some plot holes in The Shining that were never there before because they try to answer things that didn't need answers to begin with. I think part of that is that Mike Flanagan had to go with two different agendas on this. Yeah. Because that's one of... Stephen King says that Kubrick's Shining does not respect his source material at all. And he like is basically like, oh, well, they like... You know, he didn't take a lot of what was like supposed to be in it. He took that out. He changed this. And so I think there was things that probably Stephen King wanted in this movie. So, you know, the juggling act that he had was probably very difficult. For me, like a lot of movies come down to your characters. And for Danny's arc from the beginning of The Shining to now, I, I wasn't crying or anything. But like some parts hit me in the feels. I was like, I thought there was some really sweet moments. I I really felt for the character, especially seeing, you know, what he goes through. Yeah. And I kind of like his, uh, you know, almost redemption by the end of the movie and stuff like that. And uh, I like some of the answers to The Shining. And again, I, I said this, I, I'm glad they didn't do jump scares and shit like that. Like, I think yeah. they didn't they didn't make it cheap. Yeah. And I like that it's original. I like that it's not a greatest hits of The Shining. I like that it's just a different it's a different movie. I wish more sequels were actually like this different from another movie. Because a lot of time you get kind of a repeat of like the same jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the benefit of making your sequel 40 years after the original. <laughs> and it's like, well, there's no way it can be the same. The technology's different. It was funny. I actually, uh, I asked someone The director's today. dead. <laughs> so I asked someone at work today, though. They had read Dr. Sleep. And I was like, you, you read Dr. Sleep, right? And then and he was like, yeah. And I was like, did you see the movie? And he hadn't yet. And he said, how was the movie? And I told him what I thought about it. And I was like, you know, if you, if you love The Shining, though, like, it doesn't really feel like The Shining. And then he was like, oh, well, the book doesn't feel like The Shining either. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, okay. That is the difficult thing that I also have with grading this is I didn't read The Shining, but I saw the movie and I love the movie. Yeah. I didn't read Dr. Sleep, but I saw Dr. Sleep. So now I'm, although I watched The Shining, judging it solely on it being a movie and not having read the book, now Dr. Sleep is coming out. And not only can I not judge it against the book, but I'm going to judge it against the movie that is loosely based on its book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it, it, I think most people are looking at this though as the sequel to the movie, not the sequel to the book. Or you, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I mean. Like I think it's not being looked at as an adaptation to of a book. It's just being looked at as the sequel to The Shining. Yeah, it's The Shining too. Okay, well let's get into that real quick though. You said The Shining too. Do you think there's some people out here that don't know that this is a Shining sequel and they're not seeing it because the talk right now is how it's making no money. <laughs> Yeah. Which I was shocked about. I thought this movie would crush it at the box office. I am not shocked, and I'm actually disappointed in certain movie websites that post news like, Oop, Dr. Sleep bombs on opening weekend, because it opened on Veterans Day weekend, and the movie that won the box office is a war movie. Did you see Midway? No. Just curious. Okay. No. But, of course, like, wouldn't it make sense that a lot of people would go see the war movie Veterans Day weekend? Like... That's just good planning. So they split the box office for the weekend. Yeah. It doesn't mean that Dr. Sleep's bombing. Now, that being said, yeah, it definitely ha it made half as much money as the box office projections were at. I thought this would crush it, though, especially because I actually looked at movie tickets for yesterday, and I checked AMC at, like, 2 o'clock, and literally everything was sold out Whoa. for the day except for Midway and Motherless Brooklyn. Those are the only two movies 
you could get a ticket for. Not even Arctic Dogs. Uh, not even Arctic Dogs. Damn, dude, it was dude, it was everything was sold out. I like there was a few that I was like maybe I would go see like you know Adam's Family or like yeah something, and that was sold out. I was gonna so, see Adam's Family until I realized it was sold out, and then I had to go see Arctic Dogs this oh. past Wednesday. <laughs> I was surprised because I felt like with people being off. This was a prime weekend to just kill it at the box office. And I mean, maybe like only like real movie lovers love The Shining. I thought that was like regarded as one of the best horror movies ever universally. Yeah, I think so. And I I would think so. And I would have assumed that just everybody would have been out to go see it. Maybe it's going to pick it up. But like, I think they spent $45 million domestically to make this movie. And I think it's at like 14. I think the well, that's crazy. Yeah, that's really low. But I, I also think that, yes, I think people don't realize that it's a sequel to The Shining because the trailer doesn't do too much to tell you that. Other than just play the music when it says Dr. Sleep. Right. But I also respect them not just calling it The Shining 2. Yeah, that's how. And yeah. making a bold move and, you know. Actually calling it the name of the book. Right. Yeah. But I think maybe in realizing that, that's why, and granted, I'm sh- maybe the book is exactly like this too, but that's why the movie starts off back then to show you, like, yeah, of uh, this is back like right after the events of The Shining, mm-hmm. and then also like when Doctor Sleep comes up, it co- the title card is like the rug from The Shining. Yeah, I, I, re- think, I really like that too. I like that too, but I think right out the gate they were just like. In case you didn't know before you came here, now that you're sitting in the theater and you're about to watch this movie. It's the sequel to The Shining. <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't know before by watching our trailer, now you have to know because we're literally going to pick up from the end of that. That way you understand. That way when we jump forward and it's Ewan McGregor, you know the world we're working in. Mm-hmm. So I think that was conscious. And also, again, maybe that's just directly from the book. For all I know, this is a spot-on representation of a Stephen King book. This might be the closest adaption of a Stephen King book ever, and I have no idea of telling you because my favorite Stephen King adaption is apparently nothing like the book. Which one's that? The Shining. Oh, Shining. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from what I've heard, this one, it's pretty different. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes with the territory of making a movie adaptation of a novel. Yeah. And also having to follow what happened in a movie that was nothing like your book. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. yeah. Jumping through a lot of hoops. But yeah, I, I hope people go see this, though, because it's just, one, it, it bums me out when a movie I really like flops. But two, like, I was reading, like, Mike Flanagan tweets and stuff like that, and he was basically just like, this is, like, such a dream come true, and I know that, like, it's in a tough spot, and we're trying to do something that, like, is really beloved to people, and, like, some people might not accept it, but, like, we had a great time, like, you know, doing this, and he, like, thanked everybody who, like, helped him get there, like, or at least all the people who, like, let him take over their project. Yeah. And he just, like, I haven't really seen that a lot from people where they come out, and they're just really, like, honest about, like, this might not do great because of the circumstances, but, like, we, like, loved what we did here and stuff like that and i read that maybe two days before it came out and i was like oh man like i really hope this does well for him and then and then it hasn't been doing well i'm like god damn it yeah sucks that's usually how it goes but you want to do something a little bit a little bit fun what do you want to do i want to because now this is four stephen king movies this year it's a lot yeah that's more than marvel movies this year am i wrong i might be wrong i think there's three this year so yeah wait so spoderman no captain marvel Ant-Man and the Wasp? No, that was last no, year. that was last so, year. So Captain Marvel, Endgame, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah you're, so you're right. Yeah, so more Stephen King movies this year than Marvel movies. That's crazy. That, that is crazy. 
So uh, <laughs> Dak Cray. <laughs> so we we've had uh, now this movie, Doctor Sleep, it chapter two in the Tall Grass, Netflix movie, and Pet Cemetery. Yep. We've literally talked. We've done three Stephen King episodes on this show, mm-hmm. and we discussed in the Tall Grass like briefly in the opening of another one. Yeah. So um yeah, you want to rank these motherfuckers? It's only yeah. four movies. It should go quick. Okay. I'll let you start. Okay. My number four, Pet Cemetery. Guess what? Same stickles. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, this might be the same list. Just BT dubs for everybody. Yeah. You hated you hated Pet Cemetery oh, way I, more than I did. I fucking hate like, it. Like I didn't really like it, but you hated it. There's only four movies. I put Pet Cemetery at number six. Because <laughs> I fucking hated it. Like, my list goes from number six to number three, three. two, one. All right. Yeah. My number three in the tall grass. Same Z's. Okay. In the tall grass for me though is not far behind Pet Cemetery because I didn't really like that one either. I know you actually did enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed. I definitely enjoyed it more than Pet Cemetery, but that's not saying much. Yeah, my number two is it Chapter Two. Wow, really? Yeah, my number two, Doctor Sleep. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we were gonna have it the same. Yeah, it Chapter Two. All right, so so we flipped ours. We mm-hmm. flipped ours. Yeah, I I think it Chapter Two. I just had a better time watching. Okay. Not I'm not saying that it's a better horror movie, but I really liked Bill Hader. Yeah. And I really liked uh, Richie. I think it is a more fun. Or is he Richie? Who? Bill Hader. He is. I like I like the Germs Kid. His adult version. Is that Eddie? Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say I had more fun watching it. I mean Pennywise and then all the humor and stuff in it. That movie felt very disjointed to me, and it has an, an entire second act that I hate. Yeah, that's true. And I think I think Doctor Sleep's a better film. I think it's from start to finish is a better movie. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, Doctor Sleep's my number one. I'll give you that. I'll get, I went based on like enjoyment factor mm-hmm. more more so than. I guess quality. Not even to say that it chapter two is like of poor quality, but yeah, I think uh, I think Doctor Sleep is a little bit more like succinct in like its storytelling. Like it's a little bit more uh, neat mm-hmm. as opposed to like it chapter two is kind of like I, I, it's I guess a little disjoint, d- yeah. disjointed's a good word for it. But I just rem- I just had a better time watching it chapter two. Mm-hmm. Like, I just enjoyed my movie experience, experience more. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, man, we did it. We done did it proud of us question mark i don't know <laughs> but but at least fucking b minus b plus pretty solid grade i think we're still in a decent streak we had a little bit of a hiccup with terminator dark fate that's only because we got surprised by not realizing we didn't really have any other movies to review that week i was gonna say that wasn't a hiccup <laughs> that, was that was explosive was, diarrhea that was, that was a wet fart that was an unexpected wet fart Oh man, yeah. But I'm not gonna let that bring us down. We're finally getting into the swing of doing some good fucking movies. Yeah, because even even if this has been awesome, yeah, doing good movies finally. Yeah, we should only do this but, podcast in November <laughs> in like December. I was gonna say though, it's not even just doing good movies; it's doing consistent. Like, man, I really like this. I'm buying that when it came out on Blu-ray type movie because oh, like yeah. it's been a really really hot streak. Like, dude, some of the last couple movies that we reviewed and some episodes that will be coming soon that we've already seen, I'm like, I'm buying this the day it comes out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like four in a row where I'm just like, I need that. I really want to see that again. Can't wait. I loved The Lighthouse. I think in like, I mean, I'm not actually going through our 
actual episodes, but I think in like the last yeah. like four or five episodes, we've given out like three movies that are either A plus or A. I yeah, dude. I think I've given uh, they're they're Joker. jumbled. They're jumbled based on our release, but dude. Oh well, if you want to go back to like the past, out of the last like ten episodes, I've probably given like three A pluses. Well, I was gonna say you. I think it's in the last five because you gave the Lighthouse Joker and another movie that I think is coming out after this episode. Oh, true, true. Yeah, so that's so, why I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to spoil. But yeah, Lighthouse and Joker, you gave A pluses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. We're uh, we're hitting the highs, baby. So we hope that you guys are sticking along for the ride. Because I mean, if you've been listening to our show since like the beginning of this year, and you gave up during the dog shit season, and didn't stick around for this sweet sweet payoff, <laughs> you're you're a fucking doofus. <laughs> you're phony. You're a phony. Oh, and if you haven't heard our fanatic episode, go back and listen to that one. Honestly, if you're new to our podcast, go back and listen to every episode because you have time to kill, you loser. <laughs> you swampy, swampy fuck. <laughs> oh, man. But we do love the swampies, right, Colin? We, we love the swampies. We, love we speak for the people. We speak for the swampies. We speak for the critics, though, because we're the two dudes and we'll give you honest opinions and everything. Yeah, that's true. We really, give you... really don't listen to anyone other than we us. We don't sugarcoat nothing. <laughs> Baby, <laughs> you take our reviews with a spoonful of glass. Blumhouse Pictures presents. Blumhouse, <laughs> Blumhouse Pictures presents glass. Machine Gun Kelly is glass. <laughs> uh, we've also talked about that bit in a old episode. I'm, I'm digging all the callbacks these days. Mm-hmm good time. So everything comes full circle. Everything comes full circle. A perfect circle, puddle of mud, switch foot. I'm sorry, I'm making a playlist right now. <laughs> just, just like mid 2000s butt rock. <laughs> Creed? Oh, Creed's 90s, sir. But yes, butt rock nonetheless. Three days grace. I think you're. Wait, is there's actually three days grace and three doors down? Mm-hmm. Jesus, man. <laughs> three days grace to so that song. It's like pain. Without love, pain. Oh God! You can't I forgot get about enough. that. Good. Thanks for putting that in my head. I like it rough. <laughs> oh yeah, we all do. <laughs> Look at this photograph. <laughs> That's the Nickelbacks. Yeah, baby, give me that Nickelback. I'm broke. <laughs> just kidding. There's there's one Nickelback song, and I kind of want to play it for you just so you can laugh at how bad the lyrics are but i'm not going to put you through it because thank you i appreciate that yeah and i appreciate you not doing that to the swampies and i also appreciate the swampies listening tell your friends about us subscribe follow us on social meds so that you can participate in the tomato tomatoes you can check it out we're posting up some trailers and stuff for some upcoming movies and we we just like hearing from you guys so do that go to todosmoviereviews.com leave five star reviews on apple podcasts and until then suck it swampies